to another Coffee with Tony, the podcast. I just had my sip of coffee and really excited. I have a very exciting guest coming up next week, uh, but I don't think that's the way you want to start your podcast. You probably want to talk about the guest you have this week, but you know what? We've already talked about him because this is part two of Neil Casey. Uh, Neil is going to start doing, um, the introductions, uh, fucking goddamn fucking phone potential spam. I'm just leaving it in. Um, I do like the now says potential spam on your phone. Um, so Neil is going to be joining coffee with Tony, the podcast as part of the sort of round table discussion that we do before our guests. Um, and, uh, I'm excited about that. And so Neil and I initially, this was supposed to just be that round table discussion before Emmy Blotnick last week. Uh, but what happened is the, was a 45, almost hour discussion. And so much of it was so good. I just said, you know what? Fuck it. We'll have Emmy Blotnick and then we'll have Neil and, uh, I return for part two. Yeah. Is it the first three episodes? Is it strange to do a part two within the first three episodes of a podcast? Sure. Uh, on the president's show, I did a clip show in the middle of the first season, uh, which was a sort of um, Golden Girls inspired clip show because the Golden Girls always did a great sort of let's eat cheesecake and reminisce about episodes from the series. Um, flashback episodes. I think the um, uh, what is it uh, with the, the Keatons? Um, sha-na-na-na, what would we do, baby, without us, sha-la-la-la, um, and Justine Bateman, and Michael Gross, Meredith Baxter Burney, and why can't I remember the name of it? It's not Day by Day, that was the spinoff, actually, Family Ties. So family ties, um, also they would have coffee around the kitchen table and they would, uh, that's where they would reminisce. But anyway, uh, I highly recommend you go to comedy central. Uh, if you could navigate their piss poor video storage, video system, whatever, probably have to enter your, um, cable account password or whatever. But point being, you see a fun clip show with some severely, over-the-top nods to the Golden Girls, including what Trump is wearing, which is a pink sort of uh, nighty in the vein of uh, Dorothy uh, or B. Arthur's character, Dorothy. So, um, yeah, whatever. We're doing a part two, and it's the uh, second, it's the third episode. Um, but Neil and I get into a lot of stuff. It's a little old. Sure, we recorded about two weeks ago, but uh, hey, not much changed. Everything we discussed has been pretty evergreen. We're still reopening. It's still a huge mess. The Tara Reid, Joe Biden thing, still a mess. Uh, morning UCB's closing in New York probably has passed, except for those who are in the community. Um, it's a beautiful day out today as I record this, which is uh, Sunday. It's Mother's Day. Uh, I had a nice talk with my mother and my mother-in-law. Um, I also talked to my dad. Um you know, it's not like you can't call your dad on Mother's Day. It's just you got to call your mommy. Um, and, you know, I, I we had a whole discussion about the world and where it's heading. And 
it does feel like uh, things are going to change and there's nothing we can do about it. Um, and I think what's sad is that probably, you know, a little bit of the right is correct and a little bit of the left is correct and a little bit of the media driven corporatist center is wrong. That's what we know. We know that whenever we're being advertised to about a fucking pandemic or being promotioned to about a pandemic by MSNBC or CNN or Fox, whenever we're being sold, this will be here with you bullshit or this Amazon, we respect our workers, but we spent a million on this ad and could have probably given some of our employees that money. We know there's a problem. And what I think is dangerous is that capitalism is going to consume this pandemic and spit out a more forced consumption model partnered with severe restrictions on people's movement and rights. And I do think that even though it's misguided and it's fueled by uh, really dark money interests and, and the wrong motivation, I do think the sentiment behind some of these protests in the sense of this is another way for our rights to be restricted. I do agree with that. I do believe in you have to be pretty naive not to believe that every interest out there that is figuring out how to market to us to tell us it's better for them to control our lives is what's coming. Uh, and I don't know if there's anything we can really do to stop it. So um, I think it's more about adapting to uh, what is, for me, it's exactly basically the middle Mark, I will turn 46 in a month, and that's about halfway through my life. I think I'll live to 92, and I I realized I'm going to mourn the first 45 years, for 46 years, because uh, we'll never have that again, and that's a shame. So here's uh, my friend Neil Casey. I hope you enjoy him. Listen now, right now. Here he is. This is knockoff Cinnamon Toast Crunch, by the way. Nice. This is the health make- version. I make roasted red pepper hummus with uh, sometimes roasted garlic in there, too. Nice. Garlic's an antiviral. Mm-hmm. I eat garlic every day, all day. Mm-hmm. This thing is terrible, right? You see the thing with the, the vampire thing, the guys... I, I didn't look this up for the show. I read this a year ago, but how the... um, You know, the connection between the vampire myth and rabies... That the no. so when humans get rabies, they do get like really sort of horny and and sort of um, really pre- yeah predatory yeah <laughs> and um uh uh when you die of rabies uh, especially you like you, you, this your the skin stretches out around your mouth and it'll expose your canines and stuff so like after you're dead you had this really grotesque mask on you and what are the two animals that spread rabies bats in in old europe bats and wolves bats which are the two wolves. things that the vampire can transform itself into oh wow and garlic is a reasonable remedy you know yeah, it's not it's a good an one antiviral. It's antiviral yeah interesting i wonder what the covid creature will be what will our myths be from this time will a it, thing called zoom will it be this <laughs> <laughs> uh for the record i showed neil a little rainbow unicorn plushie that i bought mm-hmm. 
in the midst of the COVID crisis in Connecticut on February 29th. Mm-hmm. So you're reading all the real bad news. You're like, oh God, this thing, this thing's really bad. Oh, people are dying. I mean, Italy, what's going on? Oh, this thing is so precious. Oh, look at her. Oh, look at Mrs. Rainbow Cutie. That's true. I called her Huggy Fudgy. And in my and my favorite is that the name, you want to know what they're called? This is my favorite part is I finally looked at the label. They're called mm-hmm. Neil. Whatever it is, this. bleep it. They're called Squishmallows. Ugh. I will bleep that. (laughs) Um, But what I love is that I bought this. I bought this and brought it back to the hotel and was like, why did I just purchase a cloth thing that was like on public display in a Rite Aid? Like only days later, I was like, this really could be carrying COVID-19. Nah, I mean, the... the, the... (laughs) There's no confirmed cases of anybody getting it from a surface. Right. Even it's, it's... even a Microsoft surface? Nice. We're brought by the way, we're sponsored by Microsoft Surface. Yeah. God bless Bill Gates these days. Never I, I was never a big fan, but yeah, he's putting his putting his uh, money and expertise where his mouth is now. What about Michael Bloomberg too? Yeah. I mean, in New York? Yeah, it's great. I, what he did with the testing money. Yeah. This is a thing I brought up in the show this week, which is I was like, how do you folks square? Bernie was right. Tulsi was right. Sort of thinking with the fact that there are people with means who are doing valuable things and, and filling the vacuum left by an utterly incompetent federal bureaucracy. Now, uh, uh, yes, Yes. And and that that's always the question. Like that's one of the big like contradictions of my politics personally or things that I always struggle with and like my politics personally is like if you can assure that we've got this sort of FDR new deal social security the social you know bullpens full of people typing on their IBM Selectric's social security departments just working day in day out punching in at eight and leaving at six civil servants right you know running this giant machine the deep state yeah but, right <laughs> it, but if you can count on them if yeah. you can count on their sort of professionalism and integrity to keep the machine of state rolling yeah. then great i'd be comfortable putting more stuff you know more necessary services in charge of the gigantic well, because you'd be getting value. Yeah, you'd, be getting you'd be getting value, value for your service. The problem is... Is when these people take over, is you've ceded all the power to them. I mean, it's the same thing as yeah. the abortion debate. It's like, if you are going to have Roe v. Wade legalize abortion as a federal issue, well, when it was already legal in New York and a lot of other places full of, you know thinking people who are capable of weighing the costs and actually looking at, you know, death versus, you know, yes. like uh, maternal mortality, infant mortality, the impact of back alley abortions, all the same arguments yeah. that someone from now or Planned Parenthood would make. Well, then they legalize it at the state of New York. Right. But then you make it a federal issue uh, on the Supreme Court. And then look, now the now all the crazies want to seize control. Yeah, of yeah, whole government. Yeah, and then when they get control, well, congratulations. It you know it'll be gone in New York too. Well, yes, <laughs> but the and here's the argument is that you know because it's interesting on FX. There's that story about the miniseries about Phyllis Schlafly right now, 
that is, uh, I think it's called Miss America uh, or Mrs. America. And um, it's, you know, it's an interesting thing to watch because, of course, you know, it's painting all the different um, figures in the feminist movement, particularly the ERA uh, movement in combination with the abortion rights movement, sort of how they all intersected. Yeah. And Phyllis Schlafly, who was, you know, I mean, Reagan trash, right? And a, and a liar and a manipulator. Uh, and yes, and in her own right, she also achieved and advanced in ways as a woman. But what I found interesting was you really, you know, I think the timeline is about correct that there was a, a proto sort of version of this idea that percolated around the 60s and 70s with Goldwater and all of this. But it didn't really take foot. It didn't take hold until 1980. Like you really can see that the virus took hold in 1980. Right. Yeah, like the like virus the is in the atmosphere. Stuff. Yeah. And I think what you see, right, is that it's also the purposeful choking out of government so that government looks ineffective. Now, that doesn't mean there wasn't corruption in unions, corruption in the Democratic Party and blah, blah, but that there was a sustained effort to take the parts that worked and slowly choke them out. Right. Definitely. And now we're sitting here looking at this. And you're right. I agree with you, which is. Is there a part of me that goes, I wish I wasn't even having to be like, wow, thank God these two billionaires came to the rescue. Thank God Jack Dorsey put a billion dollars of his own yeah. money towards research. I'm glad they did, uh, obviously, because you know it's necessary. But as you said, wouldn't it be amazing if we had a robust series of federal programs that are FDR-level, wartime-level, uh, integrated system that created a, a, a reliable government that you could go to. And this was the conversation in the, in the, the, the live streams, particularly yesterday and the day before, which is, so for all of you folks who are still crowing and hemming and hawing about, you know, how long was someone on a voting line or these college kids who didn't register properly and, live in a dorm and didn't get it right and didn't even show up to vote, but somehow they're disenfranchised voters, right? That like, could you know, that's the mythology around why, you know, even though it's en masse, it's clear that Bernie's ideas are successful. Bernie Sanders lost. He lost numbers wise, just very clearly he lost numbers wise. This is not an advocacy for Biden, but it's like, hey, listen, he didn't turn out the numbers. You can't have a massive conspiracy across all those states. It's impossible. So it's just yeah. a matter of just losing. And, and he conceded the way he conceded. I mean, he's a real, he's an honorable guy. Yes. And, and he conceded when he lost. Like that's right. Just what happened? But but so, uh, but, spe- but speaking yeah. to that, it's like the people who go, well, we I, we should get rid of these billionaires and all that stuff so that we can have this this like you know new dawn of uh, an incredibly powerful federal government that provides cradle to grave ser- cradle to grave services for most people you can actually get me behind a lot of those programs me too it, it, like you can get me behind them but while we're living in a world where like at least half the time okay let's at least a third of the time but in practice more like half the time or more gets put in charge of people who have no interest in running it at no. all no who who are going to actively sabotage it. i mean the fact that you know obamacare is still the law of the land but they play games at the margins of yeah. you know 
um, you know, like not advertising the enrollment period, but holding people to the enrollment period. Yeah. Some of the stuff with like, you know, the forms, the forms that get bounced back when someone writes, when someone leaves, like the catch 22 of like when, if you don't have a middle name, if you don't write anything in the middle name, name field, the form gets bounced back. But if you write something like N slash A or no middle name or something like that in the middle name field that gets cross-referenced as if it is your middle name and if it's not then you've committed fraud you know (laughs) there's these catch there's all these bureaucratic catch-22s that actually that what i just referenced i actually think is for another type of benefits i think it's um Maybe something to do with the immigration or something. But it was one of those infuriating computer science things that you read where you go, oh, this is – we're using the the rule – the new the, we're using the idiosyncra- idiosyncrasies of the technology to actively and vindictively punish people for trying to use them. You know? It's like, <laughs> it's like when you, like, try to, like, log into your – unemployment or when you try to log uh, into some me. government systems and it's 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 swamped and then you get locked out of your account for like 36 yes, hours yes yes <laughs> this has been my pandemic unemployment insurance registration which i've done three times now every time mm. it says that i haven't done it every time it says it kicks me off um and yeah it is the purposeful it's astonishing because it's this purposeful thing and and as i was saying is like actually if you really want to see what states rights looks like we're seeing it here's what happens when individual states are left to their own devices Mm -hmm. without the federal government and what do you start seeing you start seeing natural alliances right right now you're seeing a sort of northeast corridor alliance oh yeah maryland Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, right? Then you have New England. Delaware, Delaware. Delaware. Let's be aware of Delaware. Delaware. Uh, but Snuck it's... into the alliance. <laughs> Delaware's like, some guy, you think you yeah. can take me here? <laughs> no, we're, more the, we're the Ewok planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Biden is your gray-haired Ewok leader. That's right. But so... Um, one, it brings us to John Teeter, which we're not going to get fully into John Teeter. Stay out of the cities. Go to the universities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> universities, as, universities as government centers. Yeah. So John Teeter, which you can look it up if you want, essentially it was a, a message board sort of what I like to think is a happening now. It was sort of like a fiction, yeah. science fiction happening, right? And such yeah. a cool thing when you think about it. Probably one of the last cool discoverable things i can think of on the internet where it was a mystery you know what i mean where the internet was a mystery and it felt like a mystery we've talked about a million yeah it still had that bulletin board feel it still had that kind of dial up yes you know that yeah it was sort of of the now yes uh, on a message board it it wasn't viral marketing by viacom it was yeah yeah. it didn't come back to the fine people at Wendy's. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, but John Teeter, part of his thing was saying that the U.S. divides into five sort of super states, right? And one thing I think you can see from looking at the the map, even the COVID map, is like, okay, there could be this sort of Washington to California, maybe Nevada, maybe Nevada. I, I, that's so funny. I was just about to say that. Yeah, it's like Nevada. We'll see. You know? Yeah, Nevada. It's like if your crazy fucking mayor in Las Vegas doesn't want to like reopen. Oh, she was great. This weekend, yeah. right? Anderson Cooper doing a full like Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> 
But I loved her though. I kind of like. Here's the thing. She was one of those ones where she's a she's a kook, but she's like, I'm making dinner for my husband at seven o'clock. I can't be at the casino. And like, yeah. she's not processing the question that he's asking yeah. her. He's like, no. Yeah, and he's taking off his glasses, rubbing his eyes. <laughs> yes. You know, he took a took a six shooter revolver and, and did a Russian roulette under his chin. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> but so this is the thing is in this is sort of the the, 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 the just overarching thing of this because the reactions were so interesting to me um, was that uh, that I said so here's the thing guys I go what does it matter I go the choice is really between tr- like we're going to have a massive downturn we're going to have industries fail we're probably going to have inflation these things are all going to happen in the next six to eight months. They're already happening in certain ways, but the cascade effect of supply chain breaks and everything is going to continue. It's an inevitability. It The mitigation of it will be based on how much cash is infused into the system. But, but if, that'll hit a limit. And, that, yes. and when we hit that limit, then you're going to see people with their pants down. But like the, so the if Trump gets elected... Then the pants are not only down, they're pulled out of your ankles, thrown to the garbage, gasoline's poured on them, they're lit on fire, and then someone punches yeah, and you still, in the dick. And he's still trying to blow himself. And he's still trying to blow himself the entire time and show you a great video about it. <laughs> or Joe Biden becomes president, and not in my opinion, but for all the radical folks out there, uh, and by radical at this point, I do use that term because I think of myself as radical. I, I believe in a $30 minimum wage. I believe in a medical corps, uh, division of the Pentagon. I think the Pentagon should have multiple domestic divisions created. I think that the pri- the federal government should get involved in all sorts of private industry because they have unlimited source of wealth and they can lower Mark uh, value uh, lower co- rate costs and force other companies to lower rate costs as well. I I'm all for a, a lot of big crazy bold ideas, but I'm also totally fine with Joe Biden, mainstream Democrats who know how to fix a fucking problem and know how to communicate with even the awful large multinationals in ways that will at least prevent us from completely cratering into a dark age. That that's yeah. And what I don't understand is how. Can you still be someone who's sitting there at the birthday cake table going, but I didn't get the flavor of cake I wanted? Like, <laughs> well, how can you still be that person? And aren't you a selfish piece of shit? Are you any different than the people who are marching? This is my point. And I know it's horseshoe theory, but I actually think horseshoe theory isn't that crazy, which is aren't you just the same as the people showing up to the Capitol? If you're screaming about Tulsi and Bernie and screw vote blue no matter who and you're gonna listen to me and it's time for a third party and a revolution aren't you the same as the assholes who are out at the capitol how are well, you they any just different? Get, they just want to get haircuts right well, they, they yeah they and, and all they want is to get haircuts and go to the rub and tug and get their <laughs> and get their boat keys from their second house Do you love gaming? Do you love streaming? Do you love comedy? Then you'll cream your jeans when you streams Shabby Fatty. Shabby Fatty? No, that's Shabby Fatty. On Twitch. What's Twitch? Only the number one gamer streaming platform and Tony's on it. Playing with his friends, TV's members, John Gemberling, Gamertag, Pleasant Prick, 
plus Chatmaster Sam Griffle. Tune in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 12.15 a.m. Eastern, 9.15 p.m. Pacific for all the laughs and action at twitch.tv backslash shattyfatty. That's twitch.tv backslash s-h-a-t-t-y-f-a-t-t-y. And once you follow and subscribe to Shatty Fatty, you must follow and subscribe to Johnny G's Twitch stream as well. That's twitch.tv backslash pleasant prick. That's twitch.tv backslash p-l-e-a-s-a-n-t-p-r-i-q-u-e. Tune in today. Yeah, I mean, I understand the butthurt from them because Bernie would be an especially um, um, effective figure in this climate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Bernie Bernie arguing about this stuff. Like even his him on the Senate floor being like, uh, uh, oh, no, someone temporarily might get paid a little more than they did at their old job. Is the world ending? Yeah. <laughs> the universe collapsed. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The... Um, he would be especially effective in this, in this time, you know, with uh, it, with with what's going on now. So I, having him sort of, given the given the the uh, Showtime at the Apollo run off stage right before this this moment in history, I think is um, a bitter pill to swallow for for his for his diehards. Yes, I absolutely agree, and I have to say I have a lot of diehards who watch Coffee with Tony and listen to Coffee with Tony, and I certainly don't want them to think that I am evolving into some corporatist centrist or something like that. I just think that, yes, I agree with the butthurt. Be butthurt all the way up to November, but then on November 3rd, you've got to. You don't have a choice, and it sucks. But in my view, it's poker rules, which yeah. is... The poker rules right now to someone who's saying, no, it's unfair. Bernie was the person. Biden's just more of the same. Even the flawed, in my view, flawed thinking of, I don't know. I think Biden might be just as bad as Trump in managing us out of this and all that. Okay. Yeah. But let's say, for instance, you believe that, which I think some people do. And okay. And I'll have empathy for thinking that way. Um, if you think in poker terms, Trump is like, you have a really bad hand. You have like at best like a pair of tens and on the board of this poker table, there's like a flush showing there's a full house possible. There's a straight possible and you've got a pair of tens. OK, so if you got a pair of tens, basically going all in is voting for Trump or not voting or sticking to your like conviction. Folding is uh, voting for Biden. Folding lets you keep some of your chips. And if yeah. you keep some of your chips, you might be able to play at the table for another four years. If you go all in and it's very clear your hand is very poor, you're just going to lose everything. And you're also going to lose you're going to lose all your money, lose the game and then watch uh, the game fold in upon itself, starve, start rioting. The <laughs> no one can pull their money out of the bank. And the end of it will be uh, a chaotic de-evolution to the point where. There won't even be clean water. So, like, is that really what we want to do? The clean go? water things, that, that's happening. The, 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 
The CO2, if you, there's a great chart that's out. Somebody tweeted, but I've saw it a number of times, so it should be easy to find, that just breaks down how many vital things in our economy, just normal things, just everyday things. Rel you know, rely on oil. All that stuff. Yeah, our oil and petroleum byproducts. Our entire si system is predicated on accessible, if not inexpensive, oil. Yeah. So when the, when the whole market for that collapses which it just did last yep. week. And we'll see if it comes rushing back. I mean, the first to fall are going to be the petro states. It will be at very interesting times in Saudi Arabia, Iran, Russia, um, Iraq. Yeah. Um, it'll yeah. be very interesting to see what happens, what happens there. But, but just in terms of the way our economy works, like, like, you know, if, if there's no CO2 from um, petroleum production, ethanol production, um, to use in water treatment, then yeah, your running water will have to be boiled before it's drinkable. Think that through. Yeah. And then, and like, I mean, it's fine. Like you'll survive it, but like, think that through. You're talking about, you know, you know, designating a member of your household to be the washerwoman who, uh, like, though it's that activated charcoal. This is a uh, potable aqua water purification germicidal tablets ready in charcoal. 35 minutes. Uh, no, it's tetraglycine hydroperiodide. It's an iodine. This uh, is classic uh, camping yeah. um, water treatment because this is I can drop one of these in a quart of water that I pull out yeah. of a fucking river, and it will yeah, be potable. Yeah, I have those. In, in I have stuff like minutes. that in my camping kit, but it's the activated charcoal ones because yeah. the the charcoal of the, the the microscopic micron length. Holes in the charcoal absorb yeah. all the other particles. In the yeah, water. you chlorine tablets, iodide, whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, um, yeah, you're gonna have to. You're gonna be like, yeah, you're gonna be like deciding what running water to bathe in versus what to drink and all that stuff. I mean, you're you're sliding back. To, we're not just giving up the gains that we've gotten since the Great Recession. We're gonna be giving up a lot of the gains that we the got. Twentieth century. century. <laughs> And by the way, here's and you know what? We'll come back roaring back and we give up the gains of the 20th century. And it works well for Fox News, which has almost, you know, exclusively Irish male and female commentators. No Irish need apply. And now we realize why no Irish need apply was such an important policy, because mm -hmm. when you let the Irish do anything of any public note, Neil, when you let them, when you let them propagandize you, when you believe their tall tales and stories, <laughs> when you let these raconteurs have the stump for more than a few years, it is. I thought that the other day. I go, I go. Will there be like if like you know? The, I love the study that came out that showed that people who listen to Sean, listen to and watch Sean Hannity, died at a. <laughs> At a rate of like twenty five percent more than other people from COVID nineteen. Do you know this? No. Okay, they did a study of people who got coronavirus. It's terrible. Yeah. And I don't mean to be laughing at it, but I'm oh, sorry. I would. I wouldn't wish for this. But I would I'm, not you wish know, for I'm this. not going to look the other way when a massive steamroller <laughs> of irony rolls down the street. But people <laughs> who listen to Sean Hannity, <laughs> they died more than other people. <laughs> so like you know then i he said used to come into john's pizza right hannity yeah hannity came in a few times i sat and talked to hannity <laughs> i spoken to hannity 
I've also spoken to uh, Bill Press. Remember Bill Press? Mm-hmm. The like white-haired guy. I can't remember if he was on CNN or Fox. But Bill Press used to come in too. I mean, all these, this is the thing that everyone I think should know. I've had enough experience now when we were plugging, I was plugging our book, American Tantrum, which of course you can get the audio book or you can uh, download the book. Uh, I mean, order the book from Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, try your local bookstore, but they're probably closed right now. Um, some are doing special orders to your door, that kind of thing. This Skylight, is true. Skylight in LA is has some online presence. But yes, this was a book written to be an audiobook. Written. I'm very proud of how it is on the page. I'm proud of the layout and the look. But the whole time we were writing it, in the back of our mind, the audiobook. It's a comedy album. But also, yeah. isn't it interesting to, to uh, just a bit of a pivot, uh, but just, I guess, for a moment, is to me, I feel like there's always this conversation you have when teaching improv and in our time in improv that it's impossible to really take improvisation and freeze it, record it, you know, it dies on the vine the second you try to. You know, it's like fresh herbs, you know, you can't really, it's hard to preserve them, right, without drying mm-hmm. them out or whatever. I will say that I really do sincerely believe our book, even just reading it, is the best capturing of particularly our dynamic but also our improv dynamic in a way that is actually workable. And yes, it's writing, obviously it's writing, but it is also like, you know, there's good, good little chains of it where it's like really what we said, just verbatim put down on paper. Yeah. That's a lot uh, pretty uh, to me. I will self congratulate both of us (laughs) on that achievement, but also without getting too much into it. um, I think it's, interesting because i saw a lot of of course online all the the process you know the 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 sort of behavior online over this but i just wanted to say that like yes it's a shame what's happened with the upright citizens brigade theater in new york and the theater being gone and the training center closing but you know the the they operated for quite a long time and when i joined they operated like this where they taught classes out of rented rooms and they performed at various uh theaters that allowed them space at night and i feel like the i get the whole memory lane thing i don't know about you neil but for me it's like i wasn't regularly around that theater after 2015 in a regular way between touring and the show i hadn't done live performing there in the last year because of just the busyness of where i was at i performed in los angeles but the theater or the experience of that place was the people I met and knew and the work I did. And for me, when the Chelsea theater closed really was when for me, it all ended anyway. Uh, so I'm very yeah, definitely sad farewell it, to your era or yeah. mine too. Yeah. 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 Goodbye to our era. But I feel like, you know, from even talking to some of my former students or young people who are still at the theater, because, uh, you know, I, I just always wanted to keep, a little bit of a, a toe in the water there to know what was going on. The, uh, I think a lot of people have an optimism. I think that there's a tends to be this dramatics that sort of people on the very outside of it sort of pump into a situation that I don't think has as much dramatics. Well, I know? could 
I could revisit my point last week about social media being a amplifier for people with personality disorders, but I feel like I made the point <laughs> you really as did. well as I could last week, but it just continues to manifest itself constantly. Yeah. It's, I mean, I mean, it is like the, but from both sides, the people who are like overly sentimental about the theater, who are just like so brokenhearted about it. And then for the people who just like, just, you know, sharpened tooth, like sour voiced, <laughs> You know, just people who are like, good, it would get it, and it did this to me and that. Uh, yeah. so I, I, to both to both of them, I want to be like, well, I certainly can't wait for you to be part of whatever organization <laughs> I'm part of next. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I certainly can't wait for your <laughs> for your your uh, unregulated emotionality to come roaring into yeah. whatever other group of people you choose to spend the next yeah. twenty years of your life with. Seems like a Christ perfect sake. seems like a perfect purge of all those barnacles off the bottom of the boat, doesn't it? Comedy's always a, a a place for sort of damaged people who don't know what else to do. I mean, right. no one's asking you to do this. There's no one else in your life being like, please go do improv. So, like, <laughs> So, like, so yeah, so so I'm I, I I'm not I'm not judgmental about people's reasons for showing up, and actually, it is a very welcoming place that you can come and find friends or at least like-minded people or something. It's like what do you say about poker, right? Like yes. it's like it's one. It is among the spectrum of activities that you can choose to do as an adult to sort of take a break from whatever your day-to-day yeah. life is. Tennis and club new people, and it's great. Yeah, sure. It's it's great. Um, and I think of that just to say that as a teacher, you know this too. I think of all the wonderful people I taught who, you know, maybe they maybe auditioned for a team, but maybe they didn't. Maybe they took one through four. They were a lawyer or a doctor or a teacher or a rabbi or all yeah. the different types of people I encountered, dermatologists. Who, yeah, all the people with real lives who, real who took lives. improv classes yeah. on the wheel of adult education classes yes. that they were doing where they took pottery at the Learning Annex and yes. they took a community college history class. And then they come do some improv. Those people were like, and they, were they were the salt of the earth in any improv wonderful. class right there, ready to listen, participate. Yes. And yeah, it was. And it, then you, what you, you had is you always had sort of, then you had on the out fringes you had the his this sort of hysterical idiots who couldn't understand that they just aren't their their lack of ability to access their talent was because of their inflated egos and sense of their personal narrative being more important than the whole and then you had the talented people who were too inflated by their own understanding of their talent but not trained enough to be skilled at it who would then peel off so you had those three groups, and then maybe the albino cockroach, maybe there was one of them per class, and I think that's being generous, of an actual person that you saw. And by the way, that person, it was, it it could have been, it, it, it was anybody. They could be black, white, woman, man, trans, uh, differently abled, whatever. But that one person who saw oh, I really get this and see this. And all you did when yeah. you taught was you just found that albino cockroach and you went, let me steward you through the rest of this so yeah. that I see you excel and actually become someone of you know that gets to express themselves in this system. And the rest of this noise will go away on its own. And, and the people that you should, like you said, the real standard bearers, the salt of the earth, are actually are those weekend warrior 
pottery class yeah. types because they're the ones who will teach that albino cockroach about all the other experiences in the world other than just, oh my God, am I gonna get it? Yeah, and, and speaking, I mean, <clears throat> I, I had a, I, when I worked in the office, I worked as the IT guy on the website doing stuff for the office uh, uh, for a few years at UCB, probably a few years too long. Um, and I was privy to all the, uh, you know, lots of discussions. And, and, and there, there are two sides to it. There's the bureaucratic things you can do to get more people in the door for level one, other than like liberal arts grads in New York who are, you know, sort of soft, moron, white people who can't conceive of anything being funny that isn't them regurgitating or commenting on another piece of media that they've watched. <laughs> uh, you, uh, uh, there's, there's the matter of getting people in the door, you yeah. know, and no, but, but uh, some of that is bureaucratic necessity, but nobody did more for that than Cypher sounds period. Yeah. You know, Cypher, like you can do whatever trailblazer. Yeah. You do whatever program you want, you know, yeah, and, and like offering the scholarships and all that stuff. I support that, but like getting, why not make a show that gets people from parts of Brooklyn and the Bronx that had never come to the UCB before to come see the show. Well, there's one guy who did that, and that was tremendous. That, was, that era uh, was a great era of the theater. A world on the brink. And as humanity strives to survive, we search for the light in the darkness. Well, your search is over. The Real Tony on Patreon is the mighty torch of reason in unreasonable times. Support and subscribe to patreon.com backslash therealtony and gain access to exclusive footage, audio, photos, and early podcast releases. Support for The Real Tony on Patreon ensures that Coffee with Tony and all Tony-related products and creations will exist for all perpetuity in all times and universes. A basic subscription is just $5 a month. Go to patreon.com backslash therealtony and subscribe today. Civilization is counting on you. I never wanted to get on Herald Night and then get paid like $70 a show and watch people eat like buffalo chicken fingers while I'm doing improv. I had no interest in doing that. That was not what I fucking wanted. I went to Second City, Toronto. I saw what that was and it was sad. And listen, I, I had fun at that show, but it was a bummer, man. And it's always a bummer. When I toured Trump versus Bernie and we would go to the sort of dinner theater clubs... There's nothing worse. There's no deeper disappointment in performance than in a break where you're of speaking or a moment of silence where you just hear like someone like really digging into the plate to get that last piece of fucking ravioli. Like there is nothing more fucking depressing than that. Yeah. So to. Oh, I got it. Uh, I got one for you, though. Tell, tell me. I got a more depressing one. Oh, yeah. Uh, a Torco show that we did. It was me, Don Finelli. Nicole Byer and um was it Murderer's Row? Oh God, was it um Nate Smith maybe? Okay, it's kind of a it was a it was a it was a latter day Torco. I didn't really do a lot of these at the time. Yeah, but uh, we went and did a Torco show at, at a freshman orientation for a college in Georgia, <laughs> and uh, and it was one of those things where you don't know the deal. You know, you don't really know the deal. You know that it's going to be a show, and you know that it could be in any sorts of place. You perform in a cafeteria you perform in a nice stage you perform in some converted whatever but 
what we found out was two things. First, it was a mandatory orientation. <laughs> so all the people there were captive. Right. At, or they at least had to be there at the start of the show. I guess I'm tipping this story, but um, they had to be there for, for the freshman orientation. Second, it was just in a gymnasium. So they were all sitting on bleachers and we were just on a squeaky floored gymnasium floor. <laughs> so oh. anytime you'd like move your foot, run out for a tag out, whatever, you'd be making gymnasium floor sounds. Oh. And third. <laughs> so it sounded like a very quiet NCAA game. Yes. <laughs> yes. So when, when you'd be improvising at a lull, you'd just hear your own foot squeaks. <laughs> and then third. Right as we were introduced, the freshmen were told that they could leave. No. So in one breath, in one breath, they said like, and now here to do some improv uh, from New York at the Upright Citizens Brigade Touring Company. And the mandatory part of the orientation is over. You're all free to go if you want to go. So about two thirds of the audience just, so we were starting an improv show while we were watching packed bleachers <laughs> empty into the aisles down and the people had to hit the gym floor to exit so, it's just so it was squeaky. just squeaks and then as they all filed out the two like high school gym style exits as we were like uh, warming the crowd up tr trying to get our suggestion yeah so, i mean but i did get paid for that you know yeah 150 150 bones you know can't beat it what you said before is True, though, that whatever spirit that it started at, where it was everybody comes in and sort of contributes like it's a food co-op in Park Slope. Yeah. And the benefit instead of low price groceries is absolutely free stage time. What For a number of reasons over the years, especially as people felt like they gave that place their entire 20s and 30s, which, again, nobody had a gun in their head. But, the, uh, but yeah. <laughs> again, no one was asking you to do that. Yeah. Remember, <laughs> and, uh, remember the thing about UCB is anybody who leaves, that's why it's not a cult either. Anybody who leaves, everybody's like, oh, okay, what are they up to now? Yeah. Like, nobody's asking you to stay. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> People don't care when you leave. That means it's not a cult and it's not uh, a scam. <laughs> it's like People forget you after six months when you're gone. I spent the better part of my life there and, like, People do not remember, like some people, but like, you know, like I, I mean, unless you had me as a teacher, they don't even remember who you were. But like that spirit got lost for a lot of reasons. The spirit got lost, and then it became a "What is UCB doing for me?" And yes. it's like you know, it's like a breakup. As soon as you're, as soon as you're tracking what somebody else is doing for you, as opposed to how the how the holistic system is functioning for everyone, then it's probably better for people to go, you know, go off on their own. Just yeah. call it a day and, and go figure out something else to do. Well, here's another question then um, uh, that will bring us back on track because uh, we have uh, 13 minutes till I have to get off. Um, so let's, uh, here's a new, uh, a different turn, which is just... Um, First off, Elizabeth Warren's oldest brother died of coronavirus. That is a oh, story yeah, this that's it's happening horrible. now, uh, which is uh, today, April 23rd. It's a shame. Um, and it sort of leads back into this, but it's just the, the Bill Barr thing um, and the idea of suing states for uh, governors not opening up early enough and that Barr said he would explore that idea and that he welcomed those uh lawsuits and that um i feel like this is a two-pronged 
uh, I just wonder what your thoughts are on this. Um, it's a two-pronged sort of message that I don't think is calculated by Trump, but I definitely think is an outcropping of the type of defensive thinking that sort of creates a natural uh, uh, ability to to sort of come up with um, sh shifting narratives on the fly and that the people in orbit around him that are smart enough uh, or savvy enough know how to use that for their own uh, philosophical agendas that have nothing to do with Trump. So like, you know, uh, a Barr's belief in the unitary executive is much stronger in terms of laying the groundwork for whoever follows Trump, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's operating on a different game, right? Which is about suing the states. And ironically, is you have a Republican Party that, uh, right, that, that outwardly still projects this idea of individual rights and don't tread on me and all this but has spent really the last 20 years slowly working towards uh, unifying and, and streamlining power, right? And actually increasing the power of the federal government and the executive, not decreasing it. They, they actually right. are the opposite. Yeah, but, they only get state, they, they only get states, make their states' rights arguments, et cetera, when there's a Democrat in power. Exactly. But I mean, the Democrats are pretty hypocritical in that respect too, you know, the, but it, it's... Um, you know the uh, whoever the party who's not in power in the party who doesn't have the presidency or congress always retreats to these sort of states rights arguments for for uh, uh for what they can and can't do well, but yeah i mean the bar thing it's nakedly political uh, it's a great irony that like he's going to be you know bolstering the civil rights department of the department of justice to like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to sue the States over people's rights to assemble under a pandemic. But um, yeah, I think that the, I think that it dovetails with the Trump administration's war against the States with democratic governors that is uh, and democratic, um, you know, more robust, safety nets and uh, uh, pensions and uh, unionized workforce. It's kind of the Wisconsin thing writ large now is that they're going to refuse to bail out the states, make the states that have unionized workforces and generous pensions, et cetera, go bankrupt and declare yeah. bankruptcy. Um, and then at that same time, they're going to selectively sue states that they can make political yes. hay out of for their lockdowns yeah. while and that'll be used to distract from the confederate states that are going to insist on reopening and and, and bleeding uh, have the, these and bleeding the union states dry that's yeah. the irony is that these arkansas and tennessees are going to go we want to open we want to open and then we're going to take more federal funds because trump's also going to direct them to us and those are coming out of your state budgets yeah, and they direct New they direct the, the PPE towards them too. They seize yeah. it from Boston and California so, and distribute it to the the red states. So the question being, because my other side of the bar thing is that Trump sits there and says, "Hey, it's up to the governors. It's up to the governors," because he wants the governors to have to take it on the chin in terms of the testing and responsibility. And his argument is insane as it is, saying we teed it up, we set it up, and he also just lies and no one challenges it, so he could just say whatever he wants and people go, okay, or just go, oh, I give up. So is there, there's this teeing up of I'm going to blame the local states for the decisions they make, but I'm also going to sue them for the decisions they make, putting them in a vice 
And what I noticed is interesting is that to me, what you're seeing is that still his designs are basically nothing better than an Ocean's Eleven heist. That he essentially is robbing the treasury of the small business funds that were put forward to try to funnel them to his partnerships and friends like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and different yeah. places that he knows of relationships he has because Ruth's Chris is in a lot of Trump properties, right? Yeah. So he's doing a wholesale heist, right? Lying the entire time out the front going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is this. The governors need to handle this. And don't worry, we got it taken care of. And it's all fine. It'll all be over and all that. Um, and meanwhile, you have Barr and the unitary executive folks going, well, we're going to see this seize upon this as a, as a way to create. Because that's the other thing is the Justice Department wants to start stress testing its new judicial benches, right? Yeah. Like you need to start setting precedent. You need to start running things up the judicial pipeline to the Supreme Court to prove, yep. hey, look, here's our new 50 year, 70 year rule. And my belief is if you look at it this way, like a stinger with venom. They know that their popular rule is going to end. They know that their belief system does not have the majority, right? Yeah, that's the theory behind gerrymandering and all that, too, is they just know that they have to be minority rule. They know that they, yeah. It's through the court. So this is the question. We'll we'll leave, we'll cliffhanger it for next week and think about it. Um, Is that, is there, a legitimate, and this brings us back to John Teeter. It brings us back to the initial conversation, <laughs> which is that when you have these proto alliances, will we look back in history and go, that was when these sort of orderly legal succession of different pockets or groupings of states happened? And it's it, the devolution of the United States in these. Uh, uh, regional pacts yes. that are going to successfully or unsuccessfully deal with the virus. It's speaking of like what we were saying about UCB before, where people have sort of ceased thinking that it's a place where you contribute in order to take value out of uh, yeah. what it gives you. It's like they, the regional pacts will hopefully supported by people like Bloomberg and and um, uh, even what California is doing, bringing the ex-governors, you know, Gray Davis and Schwarzenegger and all that, where smart people who are motivated by what they can do for the public good are going to come together and build effective systems for what we need right now, which right. is to fight the actual virus, not move money around, not take it as... Uh, opportunities to uh, have a, a a political cudgel, which you know McConnell McConnell's doing against the states. We actually need to have people who are capable of coming together to make yeah. institutions that have a coherent plan to fight a biological right. invader that is currently running rampant and winning. So, yeah. and the question there is going to be when California. Yeah, Oregon, Washington, maybe Nevada. Maybe Nevada. Um, is having success at building a green zone in their region. Are they going to let people from Arizona, New Mexico, Texas come in? No. And the answer is no. No. <laughs> so no. at that point, then it's like the EU. Like the yes. e- if, if the EU is not letting people travel among their borders in a crisis, if their alliance is meaningless in a crisis, then there's no alliance. There's no alliance. If, if, exactly. if the Western countries, if the Western states, ha- uh, you know, if the Western states are letting people from British Columbia, Vancouver in, 
but not people from yes. uh, Arizona, Texas, New Mexico, Nevada, Oklahoma, in. too. Yeah. Then what? Then what is this country? Then what is going on and, and, in the country at that point? And it is. It's an orderly devolution based on biological necessity that if you have a robust testing contact tracing yes. quarantine program and functioning healthcare system even if it's your own prisoners making the masks which is pathetic that that's what it's that's the only people York. we have who can make masks in, now are in incarcerated York, people. and it's disgraceful because yeah. they're getting paid three cents an hour it's, slave labor it's, it's disgraceful the it's only disgraceful. people who can sew the only people who can sew masks together for us are prisoners and sweatshop workers what a pathetic like, yeah. What a pathetic state of affairs for manufacturing. That aside, yeah. if you, if the Western Alliance or the Mid-Atlantic Alliance have robust testing, contract tracing, and uh, healthcare systems that are functioning, they're going to close their borders to the places that are just saying, fuck it, we're yes. going to like let the weak die and... Uh, and just ride this thing out ourselves because they're going to have continuous waves crashing against their systems. And at a certain point, those alliances are going to be de facto um, de facto nations. They'll become and, de and facto they, nations, yeah. And if they're smart, and well, I don't I don't actually really want this to happen. I think the United States has a future. I, but want it. I hope so. If the mid-Atlantic states and the Western states and the smarter, more Canadian Midwestern states, you know, Minnesota, the Dakotas, et cetera, yes. the, the more Canadian among us, yes. Michigan. Yes. If they decide that their alliance, if their alliance is working well enough and the Mid-Atlantic Alliance is working well enough and the Western Alliance you can is make working a crown. well enough, then call a goddamn constitutional convention. Yeah. Call a constitutional convention. And then, and then what we should do and I feel bad for those who live in the South and live in this former, um, who live in the former slave states and the Confederate states. But I think it's time to punish the Confederacy once and for all. I really do. <laughs> I think it's time to punish them. They should have been punished after Reconstruction. They were given a pass, and that pass has been a slow-moving sickness that has moved through this country since the end of the Civil War. It's a psychological sickness. And it's a sickness of stupidity and ignorance and willful uh, self-destruction. And what you see now is the intersection between, you know, Branch Davidian, Jim Jones, Heaven's Gate, Ruby Ridge, fucking suicidal, sick thinking, like that lieutenant governor from Texas saying, I don't know, I'm not afraid to die. And this, this idea that people uh, could, in charge, could actually speak for your your well-being and your life, um, and more importantly, and more and what, and your family, and your family. Yeah. It's disgraceful. Uh, but and I agree with you that I think that that's what's happening. Is I think you're going to have a soft sort of. It's not even civil war. It's going to be like a litigious separation, like basically like a like a, a mediated divorce to some degree. But what I want to think about for next week, we can talk about is is is. What would that look like? And, and what are the things like I think here where I live in the alliances we have would be making trade deals with Quebec and and and, uh, and Ontario right now. And also looking at the Greenland, Icelandic, uh, United Kingdom uh, shipping routes over the Arctic Circle shipping routes to yeah. figure out how would we be able to with uh, land and sea shipping and then potentially more expensive air transport from the uh, Caribbean islands. How do we actually make something like this work? 
because yeah. I think that this is a real um, possibility. But I'm wanted to say also, you know who we have up this week, uh, Neil is uh, Emmy Blotnick. Uh, Emmy the Blotnick. Emmy Blotnick. And yeah. she, uh, uh, we talked about a lot of these issues um, and uh, and more. And we talked about Emmy's. Um, uh, performing, doing a live touring show as late as March 11th. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. And hmm. I was thinking about this the other day, that the Trump versus Bernie tour um, ended March 1st, but that I was, you know, in doing shows with people in masks and in, in the audience in late February. Yeah. And my wife came back from Pakistan and we were having a little converse, family conversation yesterday with all the siblings and Emily and uh, Jeff and Flossie all agreed that they think that they had their cousins might have had COVID on the trip Jesus. and got it in Pakistan. Yeah. They had a, a, a horrible whooping cough or like sort of dry heaving cough, an on and off fever. So um, I'm excited to get my antibody test. And I wonder in the future, do you think we're going to head towards a future where as there are more pandemics? more diseases that you will basically have a an immunity card so yes. and that that the ways that our society will have a new stratification will be those who are prone to infection and those who are prone to immunity and that immunity will become the hierarchical way in which you um <clears throat> which you have a power structure <clears throat> i don't think it'll go that far but i think immediately if the if covid um antibodies last a certain period of time uh which hopefully is indefinite but if, even if it's only a few months or so yeah you're gonna have something on your phone or something that, that on your real id or something that will that will function as an immunity voucher that will let you go to bars and potentially music venues and maybe even long-form improv shows yeah we can set up a chains of long-form improv theaters all on that northern shipping route uh, between uh, here and Europe. Well, we do have to do – I, I, at some point, I want to do a two-man movie and figure out how we can do that online. Well, I think that'll, that'll be a great when, – when, when you and I can do a two-man movie back at the Slipper Room in Manhattan, we'll really know this thing has passed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's very true. I think if we do get to do a show at the Slipper Room, Neil and I will – well, COVID-19 will have passed. And also, Neil and I will really have a unique schedule alignment that we were able to organize a show in the Lower East Side, considering that Neil is a active parent of a toddler. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm just sort of an inconsistent person. Um, what a great conversation with Neil. And uh, I'm so excited that he's coming on board to be part of the roundtable discussion every week. And um, thanks again for listening. Uh, you know, the commercials, <laughs> I make them myself. But yeah, follow me on uh, twitch.tv backslash shatty fatty. We just did a Trump Bannon uh, live stream last Saturday, May 9th. We're going to do more of them. And we do all kinds of characters. That's Tony and Johnny doing it. John Gamberling. Uh, also, I need you to support it. Support from listeners like you is how I'm able to continue doing this podcast. Uh, and that is Patreon, the real Tony, patreon.com backslash the real Tony. So really support $5 minimum, 
$20 maximum. And I do a lot of live streams, cooking with Tony, exclusive programming that only happens on my Patreon, plus uh, early access to a lot of my work. Uh, in addition to that, uh, Cameo. I'm doing Cameo.com. Cameo.com backslash the real Tony. Check it out. Um, I will do birthday messages. Tell someone that, you know, they need to pay you money. COVID inspiration messages, whatever. As Trump, Picard, Kirk, you know, Woody Allen, Shatner. It doesn't have to just be Kirk. Whatever you want. Anyway, uh, thanks a lot for listening. As always, shout out to my dad, Larry Tamanik, for recording the awesome outro music and intro music and uh all right we'll see you next week thank you and watch coffee with tony live monday through friday 12 15 p.m eastern 9 15 a.m pacific on twitter my twitter at tony atamanik t-o-n-y-a-t-a-m-a-n-u-i-k or absolute anthony on facebook uh my facebook fan page you can watch it either place thank you bye